My name is Scott Nye, and this is Talking Radical Radio. Hello and welcome to Talking Radical Radio, where we bring you grassroots voices from across Canada. We give you the chance to hear many different people that are facing many different struggles talk about what they're doing, how they're doing it, and why they're doing it, in the belief that such listening is a crucial step in strengthening all of our efforts to change the world. On this week's show, I will be speaking with Dina Ladd and Winnie Ma. Efforts by low-wage workers to increase their wages are among the most common kinds of campaigns happening in North America these days. Some of these campaigns are directed at employers, but many of the largest have focused on getting governments to raise the mandated minimum that employers are allowed to pay, that is, the minimum wage. The cry, fight for $15, has been heard in jurisdictions across the continent and has won victories, albeit mostly partial victories, in more than a few places. Yet despite how broadly that demand resonates, there have also been some voices of caution among workers and their supporters. People who definitely endorse the idea that working full-time should earn enough to get you out of poverty, but who also recognize that there are a series of other interrelated problems with how more and more waged work is organized today, and with what employers can get away with doing to workers, that changes in the minimum wage alone will not fix. An earlier campaign focused on the minimum wage in Ontario a few years ago heard all about these complex, interconnected problems and the importance of addressing them. As the Toronto Workers' Action Centre, one of the lead organizations in the broad coalition driving that campaign, geared up for a renewed minimum wage fight, they seized on an Ontario government decision to consult the public around revamping basic employment standards in the province. As a result, last year an even broader coalition of workers, supporters, and organizations came together not just to fight for $15, but to fight for $15 and fairness. That is, for an increase in the minimum wage that would begin to lift workers out of poverty, and for a series of other changes in employment law in Ontario that would give the increasing number of workers in precarious part-time and low-wage jobs a bit more dignity and respect in the workplace. This includes paid sick days, better provisions around scheduling, better enforcement of employment standards, better protections from unjust dismissal, an end to exemptions from workplace protections for many classes of work, and much more. The campaign, which has been happening in at least 20 communities across Ontario, has included a combination of actions on the street, demands focused on the provincial consultation, and amplifying the voices of workers through mainstream, grassroots, and social media. Dina Ladd is a longtime organizer with the Toronto Workers Action Centre, and Winnie worked for many years in the retail sector and for the last year has been active in a variety of capacities with the centre. Both are very involved in the fight for $15 in fairness. They talk with me about the difficult realities faced by precarious part-time and temp workers in Ontario, about the nuts and bolts of the campaign, and about the importance of having a focus not just on increasing the minimum wage, but on a broader vision of rights and dignity for all workers. We spoke by Skype to phone from Toronto. Hi everybody, I'm Winnie. I have been active through the Worker Action Centre. I have been a member for one year. I am a retail worker working for a postal outlet for eight years. But after that, they leave me off because they do not have hour for me. I have report my case to the ER application. 
I make something wrong to the application, and then I need to help the worker action center to help me out. I get the help from the worker action center, so I want to help people out too. I start my membership 2015, and after I graduated from university in June, I'm more active to the activities of the worker action center. I do the outreaching. I do the press conferences. I also met with Dr. Eric Hawkins. Uh, and Dr. Eric Hoskins is the Ontario Minister of Health and Long-Term Care. About basic day caregiver days. I hope people can be benefited because the Environment Center Act is under review. We do deserve more. We do our contribution. We do our hard job. We do all the stuff, even though customers is very bad to me. So I think I need to have more benefits being covered by law. My name is Dina, and I'm an organizer with the Workers' Action Center. Winnie and I are both involved in a provincial-wide campaign called the Fight for 15 and Fairness. This campaign is obviously taking off from the Fight for $15 for a minimum wage. But in addition to the minimum wage, in Ontario right now, we have an added component because all of our labor laws are currently being reviewed by the government. And so it was really important for us to ensure that in addition for fighting for $15, we have a comprehensive vision of the kinds of changes to labor legislation that's needed to ensure fairness in our workplace. So that's why our campaign is called the Fight for 15 and Fairness. And the fairness means decent hours, paid sick days, respect at work, and rules that protect everyone. And so this has been a campaign that Winnie and I have both been active in. I have been active as an organizer around working conditions for the past 25 years. I used to be a union organizer, and I've helped uh, set up the Workers' Action Center here and basically helped set up the center for all the reasons that Winnie mentioned in terms of all the workers out there that don't have a union, have no place to go, and who need support, and who also need a home to be active. And part of this campaign is almost like bargaining for workers who don't have unions because all we rely on is our employment standards. There's more and more workers every day who are in casual and precarious jobs, part-time, retail, temp agency work, and don't even have access to even trying to organize a union. So how do you improve conditions when you're in small workplaces or you're working through a subcontractor or you've got multiple employers? Well, we believe it's through bargaining better employment standards. And so the fight for 15 and fairness is almost like our collective provincial bargaining. So what we're doing is we're trying to work with workers and unions across the province to negotiate better working conditions for workers. The review that the Ontario government is doing right now of our basic standards is a perfect opportunity to bargain for better conditions. So tell me how the Fight for 15 and Fairness initially came together. The Fight for 15 and Fairness campaign came out of our campaign that we launched in 2012 to fight for a minimum wage of $14. We had launched the campaign in 2012 of the $14 and through that saw that it galvanized a lot of participation and a lot of interest across the province. We regularly had 15 to 20 cities every month on the 14th of every month participating in actions and all of that kind of building on the ground led to pushing the Ontario government at that point to bring in indexation of the minimum wage. 
and got a 75 cent increase. Of course, that was absolutely not what workers wanted, but there was such a huge pushback by business and a lot of people were not standing up. So we pushed for what we could push for in the context. And so in 2014, we saw the minimum wage increase. And then the government said, well, you know, we've done all we're going to do on the minimum wage, but we've heard what you've been saying about the conditions of work. Because obviously, some of the big issues that we heard when we were fighting for a raise in the minimum wage is a lot of workers said to us, well, you know, the minimum wage could be $18 an hour for all I care, but it's not going to make a difference because I'm only getting 10 hours of work a week. And so we realized, no surprise, that what we do need is a comprehensive approach to improving conditions. The minimum wage is just one part of it. Other issues are, you know, fighting against precarious employment. A lot of people just need stable full-time work. People need enough hours to live on. Equal pay for equal work. So many workers now are being hired through a whole host of intermediaries like temp agencies and contractors and labor leases. For years, people can be working alongside permanent workers doing the same work but being paid half and not getting the kinds of benefits. A lot of issues around respect at work and, and ensuring that everyone is able to enforce their rights. And we've had various campaigns against wage theft and ensuring enforcement. And so it just made sense to move from our focus on the $14 campaign to more of a comprehensive agenda to fight for decent work. The Fight for 15 and Fairness has that comprehensive agenda that also we're hoping unites non-union workers with union workers as well to deal with, you know, how do you make it easier to join a union? How do you ensure that even if your employer changes hands, that you don't lose your union and the benefits? So those are some of the ways in which we've brought together a bigger alliance of many more organizations and having a broader agenda to tackle some of the basic issues in the workplace. Tell me more about how all of this, meaning both the low wages and the broader context of inadequate employment standards, plays out for workers. It's not easy to live under this amount because I have father and mother, even my nephew, all strong together. We need housing expenses, electricity, hydro, all those stuff, water bill, whatever. But the problem is we do not have enough because I do not have a lot of hours. Every week, I only have 29.5 hours. Even you give me a higher price for every hour, I just earn the total annual income below 20K. No matter how high you pay for me, I cannot meet the minimum standard for myself. We do not have paid days. Every person will be sick. Right? You have birth, you have sick, old, you will die. Every person comes with it. But the problem is we do not have paid days for caregiver days for take care of your family members. We do our hard jobs. My owner just gave me minimum wage a little bit above for eight years. If I will say everybody will say and my parents will say and then I need to take care of them. I need some leave and need some helpful hands for myself because I have sick days for a few days, but unpaid. So they just say, you have sick days, I give you sick days, but there's no pay. Three days' uh, salary is 230 
The problem is $200 for my basic necessity is hard for the standard of myself living. The full-time workers still have a dental benefit. I worked for the postal outlet for eight years. And because my situation, permanent part-time worker, I do not. It's now 1.7 million people in Ontario that are making $15 or less. We've seen a massive increase in low-wage work in Ontario. 1.6 million people do not have any legal right to even take an unpaid emergency leave day off because they work in workplaces less than 50. So that's huge, staggering. We have millions of workers that rely on basic employment standards. We have about, what, a 30% unionization rate in Ontario. So that means, and let's say 10% are covered federally. So you've got 60% of the workforce relying on basic employment standards. And so this really is the fundamental floor of our basic rights. And what we've seen is that more and more workers falling into various part-time and low-wage work in the Greater Toronto Area and Southwestern Ontario, 50% of people are in precarious employment. And I think that that basic reality that Winnie's talking about is exactly why people are so angry about the low wages that they're being paid. Once you've paid for your accommodation and some basic transportation, there isn't a hell of a lot left over for food. And what we also find is that research studies have shown that the lower your wages, the less likely you have access to drug and dental benefits. So out of that money, God help you if you're sick or if you need any prescription medication or if you have any issues with your health. And so many of the members at the Workers' Action Center have prescriptions that they cannot fill out because they can't afford to and are dealing with health issues. Many have not been to see a dentist in years, let alone get their eyesight checked. There's such a sense of just basically hanging on by your fingertips to try to make ends meet. And so, so many of our members are working two or three jobs, you know, don't have a life because they're working so many hours, or when work gets dried up, there's no money, and then the only alternative is a lousy social assistance system that pays you 600 bucks a month, or employment insurance if you can even access it. And so I think that there is a sense of feeling like enough is enough. Instead of having to beg, why can't we have some basic standards and at least a minimum wage that can ensure that if you're working full time, that you're at least above the basic poverty level. People want some dignity at work. They want to be able to pay their bills and not fall into debt. Many retail employers expect you to be fully available even though there's no guarantee of hours. We need to change that. We need to ensure that if there's work available, that if people want more full-time hours, they should be able to access those hours, that workers shouldn't be punished for wanting to change a shift or getting sick. Just fundamental issues of being able to change your shift so that you can deal with kids or deal with other responsibilities like elder care, which Winnie has to deal with. Those shouldn't have to be make or break issues and the potential of losing your job over them. That's just life. <laughs> we all have families. We all have responsibilities. We all have health issues. There's so many issues that workers face 
needing stable full-time work, this whole issue of if you're part-time, temporary, contract, and casual, that somehow, even though you're doing the same work, you don't get the same benefits or the same wages. In retail, many workers we know barely have 24 hours notice to get their schedules in advance. So we're pushing for two weeks in advance so that people can actually plan their lives. You know, as Winnie's mentioned, seven paid sick days is what we're fighting for. And in addition to that, making sure employers can't ask us for medical notes. It's an absolute nightmare for workers. And people are having to, in addition to deal with the burden of not being paid for their sick day, they're having to fork out $40 for a note from their doctor and even take another day off to go to their doctor to try and get the note. Things like being able to make complaints about exploitation or abuses at work, being able to make anonymous complaints, stiffer fines and penalties for employers who break the law, more protection from unfair dismissals, dealing with bullying and harassment. Again, depending on what type of work you're in, sometimes you're not even covered by basic employment legislation because you're working through a subcontractor or you're being told you're an independent contractor or you're a temp agency worker. There's so many issues. We've been showing through our organizing on the ground the kind of experiences that workers have facing wage thefts and not even getting paid their wages, not getting access to overtime pay, public holiday pay, vacation pay, some of the things that you should just be able to go to work and have the confidence that you will have your rights met. That is not what is happening out there in the workplace. People feel very afraid of speaking out, even for their own basic legal rights, because employers have a lot of power and control over them in the workplace, and we need to change that, and that's fundamentally what the campaign is all about. Tell me more about the campaign itself and about the kinds of actions you've taken. We have a whole range of people involved in the campaign. We have a lot of local labor district councils across the province. We have little worker centers. We have anti-poverty groups. Students are organizing on a number of different campuses and colleges. We are starting to see a number of unions starting to really step up and getting involved in the campaign. And we are also seeing sectors of advocates. So from the health sector, we're seeing community health centers and doctors and nurses starting to play a real role. The faith community is starting to get active. And of course, low-wage workers in different areas of the province. So in December, uh, yeah. What, we, what it, we have singing Christmas songs outside Eaton Center. And then we go to the Eaton Center and uh, I speak all my experience, what happened to myself. So I explain my situation and in the singing inside uh, Eaton Center. We have a lot of people gathering together. When I go to see the video put on the web, a lot of people look at it. This is our power to show to the public. We must join together. We are fighting for basic rights. We do serve the customer. We do our job properly. But sometimes that kind is not good to me. So I explain my real story to the public. What Winnie's talking about is this great action we did in December where we did Christmas carols, but all the words were changed to the fight for 15 and fairness demands. And we took over the center of the Eden Center inside the mall, and we did a couple of banner drops on our main demands to reach shoppers about retail workers' rights. 
that was in December, and we've tried to use, as Winnie suggested, the internet and videos to get across issues. So we released also a video on part-time work and scheduling in December. The previous month in November was flu season, and so we did a very focused month of activity with doctors and nurses and healthcare workers on pushing for paid sick days. We also were doing a lot of organizing around the public consultations for the labor review, and so many workers spoke up about their experiences and organized in their own communities. And also, we've been working with a lot of workers at the Lester B. Pearson Airport who are fighting for 15 and Fairness at their workplace. It's one of the largest workplaces in the country, 40,000 workers, but the conditions for many of those workers are really quite poor. And so we've been working with different sectors of workers to try to do a lot of organizing in different workplaces. So those are some of the things that we've been doing. And obviously in 2016, we are organizing around the review and when the recommendations are released. The advisors who were appointed by the government to conduct the review are going to be releasing their interim report in February. And then the recommendations are going to be released between June and October of this year. So it's really quite important that people are organizing in their local communities in order to respond to the recommendations and send a clear message. And of course, many people are trying to ensure that workers know what's going on and that they can get involved. So you've already touched on this a little bit earlier in the interview. But given the context of so many campaigns in North America right now focused on raising the minimum wage in different jurisdictions, why don't you draw out for listeners your sense of why it's important to build campaigns that not only tackle raising the minimum wage, but that also in some way address all of these other interrelated issues experienced by low-wage, precarious, and otherwise low-status workers in their workplaces? Our lives are not in silos. Our wages are very much connected to accessing our basic rights. And accessing basic rights are connected to the types of work that we can find ourselves in and having respect and dignity and the ability to form a union or to speak out or to make a complaint. And so for many of the workers who come through our doors, they don't just come to us on one issue. Our lives are complex. Many of the folks that we work with over the phones and through workshops are dealing with issues of unpaid wages, but also dealing with struggling in poverty, having, you know, workplace bullying or discrimination at work because of racism or sexism, then having issues around accessing employment insurance or workers' compensation or health and safety. And so I think it's really important for us to reflect that in our campaign And that's why it's important that our campaign was developed with many of our members. And really, the Fight for 15 and Fairness agenda is based on a whole bunch of conversations and discussions that we had with our membership about the issues that they deal with on a daily basis when they go to work. And so the campaigns that we work with in the community should reflect and be grounded in the experiences of people who are directly affected. And low wages are one aspect of people's lives, a critical aspect. But the other thing is, is that if you're a temp agency worker and you're making 11.25, but you've been doing that job for 10 years and the person that you're working alongside is making 30 bucks an hour, 
It doesn't matter if the minimum wage goes up. You're never going to get the same pay as the person doing the same type of work as you. So all of these issues are very interconnected and people see them as interconnected and they don't compartmentalize them in their lives. And it's been important in the expansion of the fairness aspect to reflect the realities of people's lives and, and that it's not just the minimum wage that we're dealing with, but the whole host of issues that arise in today's workplaces that are basically dominated by deteriorating working conditions and precarious employment. I just want to add one more on job security. Mm -hmm. I have worked in the postal outlet for eight years. But just lay me off by my employer. It's just find me without cause. I have to do a lot for my job. I do my way and help the customer as much as I can. But the problem is when they say, Anyhow, do not have hour for you. I want to let you go. Then what is the commitment or what is the guarantee within a job security? The problem is you say you go, then you go. Nothing comes for me and no guarantee anything. So it's not good for a lot of people. We do not have job security. Oh, I start fire you, you lay or lay you off. It's lay you off without cause. I have done nothing wrong. Then they say one day, oh, I don't want you to send you back. And so I think a lot of people feel very vulnerable at work and feel like they're at the mercy of their employer and they have no power. And that means that people cannot speak out, they cannot organize, they cannot deal with the kinds of issues that they're facing at work. What does the campaign have coming up in the next while? Right now, what we're looking at doing is we're going to be doing another day of action on April the 15th. And we're hoping that this could potentially be a day of action that is across the country, joining with the different provinces out there. But that's still being planned in the works. We're also organizing some strategy sessions with all of our allies. And in some ways, what this really is about in the next three or four months is really about building the base on the ground. And so we're spending a lot of time just building the capacity at the local level in a number of different cities and neighborhoods to try to get organized. That, we think, is quite critical, and a lot of actions then will be determined on a local basis. And then what we're also hoping for is a kick-ass action on October the 7th for the International Day for Decent Work. And obviously, there's going to be a lot of other stuff happening over the next little while. But right now, it's really important for us to have community and union and worker leaders to really be building at the base so that it's not just the same old activists that come out, but that we're reaching the next layer of people who need to be involved in the campaign. So there's just a lot of organizing basically on the ground that needs to happen. It's so critical for people to get involved in the campaign. This is the year to be doing the kind of organizing that we need to do to change some of these issues. And so we need everyone to step up and do what they can. You have been listening to my interview with Dina Ladd and Winnie Ma of the Fight for 15 and Fairness campaign. To learn more about the campaign, go to 15andfairness.org. That's numeral 1, numeral 5, and fairness.org. To find out more about Talking Radical Radio, the guests, the theme music, and the ways that you can listen, or to suggest topics for future shows, go to talkingradical.ca and click on the link for the radio show. On the site, you can sign up for email updates or follow us on Facebook or Twitter. 
I'm your host, Scott Nye, a writer and media producer based in Hamilton, Ontario, and the author of two books of Canadian history told through the stories of activists, Gender and Sexuality, and Resisting the State, both from Fernwood Publishing. Thank you very much for listening, and I hope you tune in again next week. Your footprints, footprints,